Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Uh, this week, we're here with Andrew and Paul. Compound. Months. Compound. Slash podcast. Well, studio. you're Paul, the luckiest SOB to walk the face of the earth. Ever. Campbell. You know, all I needed was to just complain about, you know, on like some some small podcast about the state not giving me any a lot. I've, I've Start complaining about the Powerball. Four. Okay? You four. Complain about the Powerball and how you never win that. I never win a billion dollars. <laughs> Damn it. Who do I complain about? A million. Man, what, a mega millions in the Powerball? Come on. Jesus, man. I was at the Deer Asset Classic over the over the weekend. And so the uh, they they have like this fifty fifty raffle, right? The fifty fifty was a hundred and eighty one thousand dollars. Holy shnikes! Yeah, Batman. so I don't I don't know if any of our of our listeners have ever been to the Deer Asset Classic. It was insane. I was at the NWTF booth helping those guys out, raffling off tickets for for guns and all sorts of cool stuff. It was wild, man. So it was eighteen and up, so no kids, right? And it was a party. I mean, it was it was like freaking Woodstock for hillbillies, and I loved every minute of it. So, That's awesome. Yeah, good we, time. I touched on it last week a little bit, but I didn't really quite gather what it was. Um, I didn't really know what it was. I mean, I've heard of it. I've seen the trucks driving Cambridge. around. Cambridge? It's outside of Cambridge, yeah. And they, so they they're, they do it. They raise money. They've got like an education center there. They do a ton of like youth hunts and disabled hunters and women and get people active and involved in the outdoors. Really cool program. So, you know, if anyone from Jurassic listens to this program, reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the show. But, yeah, hell of an event. Aaron Tiffin was there performing. It was pretty wild. But to answer your question, yes, I won three fall lotteries this year. So, Paul, ask me how many I won. Andrew, how many uh, lotteries did you win? Um, Zero. Uh, you suck. I think I applied for about 15. I applied for a lot. I was, I was shocked. So I won a, a, a what is it, a two-week-long hunt? I don't know. I don't even, I don't even know. I, so I'm going up. I'm going up north twice. Kill Buck Marsh. Kill Deer Plains. I'm going up there. I got a dove hunt at Delaware uh, on opening day that uh, me and my dude Kenny are going to go up to. So, man, it's it's uh, spoils, man. You know what this means is that I'm never going to win another Ohio lottery. So might means you might be sleeping on the couch a lot. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's because the, the one hunt. You better False. come back with something for the freezer. Oh, dude, I hope so. <laughs> so here, here's here's an interesting. So we were looking at it. It doesn't like so. You, so the the I got one of my hunts is in Kildare, the DSA, the disease surveillance area. So the totals that you harvest in the DSA on this hunt don't apply to your state totals. And so you have to take an antlerless. You have to take an antlerless deer before you can take an antler deer. So does that mean that I can just shoot? five deer a day like I, I don't know i have I'm, i have questions I'm, I'm i'm letting it settle down i'm gonna call the people that run that that program and, and and get answers but just reading the packet i mean 
They're so good about answering questions. They are, yeah. The guy that I talked to for the turkey hunt this year was awesome, man. Really walked me through through the area. So I'm I'm really excited about the uh, the hunts. The dove hunt, I think, is going to be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that. I love shooting those tasty little winged birds. So that'll be, yeah, man, that'll be fun. So Dove nuggets. My buddy Kenny got uh, got a big waterfowl blind on Delaware, so that's going to be cool. It was, it was, uh, I'm never going to get it, so never going to get it again. I'm just waiting on my main moose lottery, main moose tag to hit. If that's, you hit that, that'll be the trifecta. That's not, yeah. So if anyone from the, from the main Department of Wildlife is listening. I still think you should bank on that. Powerball Mega Million thing. I'd probably you can probably that, yeah. go buy Maine. I'll probably yeah. I'll probably Power win that ball. before you win the Maine Moose Lottery. That's a <laughs> that ticket's a ghost for out of staters. So, uh, shoot, what else you been up to, man? Uh, I'm traveling to, to Tennessee for for the NWTF. There's I'm working on a huge project there. I'll talk about it. I mean, that's one of my big complaints with the NWTF, man. We don't talk about all the really good things that we do, and and it, I think it, it gets lost. But we're we are as a as a group, the conservation organization, myself, and some really. Just super motivated volunteers down in the state of Tennessee, Nashville area. We are are uh, raising money to purchase a plot of land, and we're going to convert it to public land uh, and put a conservation easement on. It'll be it'll be public land and and managed for wild turkeys and and deer and quail for per, in perpetuity. So it's really really neat project. I'm really happy to be a part of that, man. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of work. It's a lot of money. But it butts up to a huge WMA already. There's going to be a research center on it. There's going to be an educational center on it. Like it's a big deal. That's and awesome. I mean, I'm 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 really excited to be a part of that. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing, man. I've been traveling like crazy for that. So, shoot my bow. I got my bear, my my <laughs> my bear bow. Uh, what two weeks ago? Got it set up at Performance. And now you're ready to now, go. Now I'm ready to go, man. I'm slinging those serious slinging arrows. Slinging my serious arrows down the range. Yeah, it's all it's all good, man. So, yeah. But you anything exciting going on? Mm, just getting ready. I got some more cameras put out, which we will discuss more um, on this podcast because we're going to be talking to Trent from Spy Point. Yeah, and giving us some some camera tips and all that kind of stuff. But the I got another one put out. I thought it was in a really awesome spot and so far nothing yeah and i'm like dang it um that's so depressing i've i've I, my last trail camera pick in my public spot was july 30th it's probably in somebody's garage right now i know that's gonna piss me off if i turn it on and some some bitch is looking at my <laughs> camera i am gonna be fired up that's so. hilarious but um besides that actually i did go out and set sticks and stuff and we've talked about them before but shout out to our guys at tethered those Skeletor sticks are legit. Yeah, I, I've never had a I've never had a set of sticks bite into the tree like that. I I couldn't I honestly could not believe it. It was it was amazing. So um, while we're on that, you know, TetherNation.com, it's saddle season. Get so, em. They uh, got them in stock. I got everything in stock. So. Yeah, and before we get to our spy point talk tonight, we're gonna have a little uh, interview that we did with the guys over at Vance's Vance, Vance Out- Outdoors Outdoors yeah. down here in in Hebron. Ohio, and they're going to have a teach and train on August 27th, yep. 10 to 4. Uh, all the details will be in the little clip we have. But the, you know, if you've got any questions on saddle hunting, uh, that's a great place to start and get your hands on everything. Um, they've got a, they've got John Eberhardt, freaking John Eberhardt's coming down. That's going to be cool, man. That's going to be a cool event. 
I'm excited to go to that, learn a lot, and and you know the tips and tricks and the nuances of saddle hunting. It'll be really neat to to see all that. So, you can buy your saddle hunt uh, tethered equipment at Go Wild Vances and also Go Wild, Go Wild, and our boys. We got a we got a fun ass event coming up this yes, week. We do. We're going we're going walleye fishing with some of the boys from Go Wild. I stopped in Louisville and had had lunch with them the other day, and just a good time, man. And and, and you know, like in this world, there's so many options to to spend your money on it doesn't matter what it is and i think when you know like 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 walmart it's just like this faceless entity at this point but the fact that like we've met the people from go wild the guys that started it the guys that run it the men and women that run it and it's just it's a good company man. you know what you're getting to yeah hey, i talked to derek today and he's, i'm like what are you doing man I'm sitting here in the, in the go wild warehouse just packing boxes yeah. i'm like that's it i know yeah. who, i literally know who's sending me stuff yeah. When it, yeah, I just I just I, I I like that. It's just a good a good company and and like really the heart and soul of it, the social media side of it, we've talked about. It. No censorship for hunting pictures, for firearms, for angling, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get like, like ask people questions. Gonna, yeah, ask questions is a good place to learn. It's just a community, man, and it's a community that's designed uh, and the heart and soul is the is the outdoor men and women uh, in this country, and I can tell you, you probably we're probably all going to be on it, and at some point in time, because Mark Zuckerberg doesn't care about us, no. So it's going to happen. Just just do it now. Jump on it, and you, you know you're you're not going to regret it. Ten bucks if you join. So there you go. First light. You got your nice first light hat on. I can't wait to get in my tethered saddle with my first light and just sweat like the pig that I am. So and those deer are going to be like. Damn, well, he looks no. good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Um, Firstlight dot com. So yes, one one of the things I want to I want to bust your balls on. Uh oh. So Sunday, I, I just gotten back from Tennessee. I was I just got my bow set up. Performance. Mike DeBull took care of me, and I was like, all right, months. Let's let's shoot this bow because I don't have a target that I can shoot my big serious arrows into, right? And you're like, well, I'm watching the CrossFit Games, and I'm like, well, what's the CrossFit Games? And I laugh so hard at your at your responses. Like it's like, well. We sit around and we watch people work out who are like super athletic, and we just drink beer and eat food and talk shit about them. And I thought that was like the funniest response. I died. So how was that? How was the CrossFit Games? Oh, that's great. Were you guys super judgy to everyone? Like, oh, I wouldn't lift that kettlebell like that. No, it's <laughs> well, you do, but in reality, you're like, God, these people are amazing. So, uh, but I know what you say. Like, it's just like you watch you watch the Olympics and you watch the guy throw the you know throw the, the shot put or whatever. I'm like, man. I could I could do that. Come on, you <laughs> sissy. Right. And then you realize that that shot puts like seven pounds, and he just threw it three hundred yards. And <laughs> you only did thirty unbroken back squats. Why you couldn't do it all forty in a row? You saw, it, boy. It's only three hundred fifteen pounds. <laughs> Dude, I laughed so hard uh, when you when when I read that message. It's so. it's comical. So. It is it is comical. What else is going on? We got we got a, a big trip coming up in in Michigan. Oh well, Here. first, dude, we're. We're moving and grooving. We got fish this weekend. Then we're going to Wisconsin for that half rack conservation. Half rack, yeah. Check them guys out. Half rack, pretty cool. We're gonna go guys. learn a lot about that when we get up there. Yeah, we're gonna hook up with the OKS hunters and. But here I got this. We need a we need a news clip. Um, from ODNR, they're doing coming soon the Great Mohican Crawdad Hunt up in Loudonville. Oh, so you can learn how to catch a crawdad or net other critters. Um, at the Great Mohican Crawdad Hunt. And let's see. It will be August 27th, Saturday at 11 a.m. Bring your kids. Be fun. Sounds like a great event for the kids. It does. About your news club, like if any of our listeners can make like a Dan Rather's voice, 
we will pay you. I'm Baba Wawa. Right, to make some funny and this <laughs> news is 2020. <laughs> we'll just hit that button on that board. We still haven't figured out. Yeah, we can. It's because we're dumb. My <laughs> oh, God. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you guys yeah. sticking with us. So we've got, so I mean, I, as far as like news, I mean, it's it's freaking August. Dude, it's, it's Dude, go killing, time. Yeah, it's killing not. doves, killing squirrels. That's right down the right down the pipe. We got early dove or uh, early goose. We got teal coming up. And then September 10th, big day, DSA zone. Disease surveillance area opens up to, to deer hunting. First time in decades, I feel like anyone's going to been able to kill a velvet buck. Like that's that's pretty cool. I I can imagine that like the, that area up there is going to be packed with people. It'll be interesting. Packed with. People, I think the so. weather is going to determine a lot, but and if yeah. it's nine thousand degrees and who the Buckeyes play that day, but yeah, I remember Kenny and I we we were bow hunting Delaware. This is oh, like, it's only Arkansas State, so. It's going to be packed. In the We're woods. playing Arkansas State. That's what it says. Yeah, I didn't even know that was on the schedule. I stopped looking didn't after Notre Dame. I'm like, team. damn, Notre Dame, what's up? Open that season. That traitor, James Laurinaitis and Marcus Freeman, if you guys are listening to this podcast, you guys suck. But thanks for Go listening. Buckeyes. I appreciate that. No, stop. Don't listen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> tell your uh, friends. <laughs> uh, it's going to be anyway. good. I can't wait for that. So what What? What else you got hunting-wise? Man, I don't have much. Um been shooting, just, I've been shooting my bow a ton. Yeah, this is just, literally the most I've, effort I've ever put into bow hunting in my life is this year. If I don't shoot like 50 deer this year at that DSA, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm never going to deer hunt again. If that's you're not, the, that's, com- the, that's the litmus test for if me. If you're not a compulsive gear checker like I am, it's probably a good time to pull out stuff out. Make sure you got your thermosel. Ready? Yeah, I got, the, got I got the thermos. Actually, like that refills. that yeah that opening day last year when we went out to to Dylan and I donated a pint of blood to the mosquitoes. I was just like, this is this is miserable. Why am I here? Make sure you're nice. Bought a thermos. Yeah. yeah, everything ready to go. Knives are sharp. Damn, I, I gotta I gotta find a I got knives to gut turkeys and ducks, but I don't have. I gotta find something with a gut hook on it. Oh, God, you turned me into a deer hunter. I don't like this, man. I don't like this transition at all. <laughs> it's 2022. You can transition anything you want. So. Oh, there we go. And okay. that's the final episode that we've ever done in the and Ohio Outdoor we Podcast. we're canceled. Um, but before we're canceled, we just want to say thank you for your time. Mark <laughs> that. Write that time down. <laughs> Beep. Uh, yeah, there you go. The, oh, that's uh, a good one. But, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, let's see. The.o2.podcast on Instagram. Don't Twitter find us. Yeah, Ohio don't, Hunt. Don't get on Twitter. I'm locked out of that account again. Uh, I, I don't know. You can find me on there. I, it's Paul Campbell 322 if you're so inclined. Send me a friend request. We'll, you know, we'll chat back and forth. But go wild. My preferred method of communication Bingo. on social media. O2 Podcast and Paul Campbell. Paul Campbell. Yeah. And our website is the O2Podcast.com. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're always welcoming. You can get you can get shirts on that website now. You can get shirts. We got some badass shirts coming. We got we got a, a logo design coming for shirts that's going to be out here in the next couple of weeks. But you can get on there. We got some pretty cool shirts. I don't know what thirty bucks something like something that. Like that They're good shirts. I like them. I've got two of them. Which ironically, like we run the damn podcast. Why are we paying for shirts? Like who do who do we have to talk to about getting free shirts for our own damn podcast? I paid for both the shirts. This is bull crap. If I can't get a free shirt for my own podcast. What are we doing? Uh, We're doing something wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Can't figure it out. But they're pretty cool. Yeah. Sure, it's cool. We got a bunch of you know, coffee mugs and hats coming. We're, we're in that, like, supply chain issue now. Yeah. Like, people are like, oh, it's going to be 
five weeks for your or six weeks for your patches for your hats. We're, we're not Joe Rogan yet. If we did, were he Joe, ever respond to our Instagram message? I don't think did, so. We were trying to get Joe. So if anyone knows Joe Rogan, tell him that tell him that literally the greatest podcast ever. The Paul is, Campbell would like to talk to him. Well, I don't know about that. I've only listened to a few episodes of uh, Joe Rogan. They're pretty cool. I like. I mean, the guy's funny. I like his perspective on a lot of things. But it's got to be the right topic for me. Yeah. But anywho, yeah. for, here's how it's going to go today. So we're going to run Vance's. We went over there and did a little talk with those guys and get you more information on the teach, in the stores. Cool. Yeah. Yep, with Jordan and Ben. Ben, which Ben does follow me on Instagram. So we gave him help. Yeah, so yeah, you'll hear it in the interview. But then uh, we got a little bit of a talk here with the guy with Trent Marsh from Spy Point Cameras. So yeah, Trent's been in the industry. He's been a hunter for a long time, and so this is this isn't just like Spy Point specific. This is a lot of like this is trail cam tactics for anything. Doesn't matter. It's kind of like that that last push. He gave some great ideas. You know, he did September first, last time you're in the woods. Charge those batteries. Have that firmware ready to go. Like all that kind of stuff that you need to be ready for yeah um, positioning you know where to look you know i had questions about you know i've got a trail camera that's pretty active it's going to die off at this point but we're going to pull that what's up everybody we are uh here today with the guys from vance's outdoors down here in hebron ohio how's it going guys it's doing good it's doing good Thanks for coming. Hey, no problem. So we've got Ben and Jordan. Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, you guys want to give us a quick rundown on what you do here at the at the store? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. You want to you want to wait for that? On or? on time. The air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, on time. It hasn't I, been on for the half I hour. Told you, I know. I told so you. Let's do it, man. Let's let's rip go this for it. Let's go, go ahead, Ben. Okay, so I'm the video content creator here for Vance Outdoors. So everything social media, anything we put out on YouTube, I'm the guy behind the camera doing all that and for the podcast yep. i take care of the video editing and audio editing stuff yep jordan helps with that too but how long have you been here advances uh this year will be my fifth year next month very nice awesome. did you start out in that social media content creator role or did you- i did not i started in the warehouse very nice and yeah. i had previous experience so when they were looking for somebody in marketing i signed up and they said go on yeah, and you had taken pictures and video and stuff before too. Yep. In the prior, yep. you know, prior employment. So. so started in marketing, just putting stuff online, and then they wanted video, so I had experience with video and just kind of slid right in. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So I'm the newbie, I guess. So Jordan Antonier, um, obviously, I'm hosting the podcast with Ben as well. Um, I started Advances in June of 21, so I just passed a year not too long ago. Um, previous employment uh, locally at some financial institutions doing marketing and, and uh, website development and stuff like that for there. Um, but now my role is kind of shifted here, primarily running a lot of our social media channels, uh, kind of coordinating that effort at this moment, um, doing a lot of the content in terms of uh, photos. We're, we're at the hip, you know. Mm-hmm. So what's Dynamic one, duo. Yeah, we're, <laughs> if I'm not doing the video with him, I'm in the video and yep. doing the pictures and taking pictures of him or he's taking pictures of me. So it's been fun man uh what better what better place to work than a local company that i was gonna say going from you know, a financial institution yeah. doing marketing or whatever and obviously you have an interest in the outdoors to come yeah. and be able to do that exactly. for one of the leaders in the exactly state, so. yeah yeah We're, to work with one of the leaders in the state and to work with a, an organization which we can get into some more you know it's uh employee owned now and uh it's been uh, it's been a blast man i mean mm-hmm. i mean we're standing behind some great product we got products surrounding us and so every you know what is it uh, find what you do or enjoy what you like to do never work a day in your life mm-hmm. and so yep. 
can't, can't ask for much awesome. better than that, man. So, so I, I grew up in central Ohio. You grew up in the northern half of the state. Vance Outdoors yeah. is an institution. Yeah. And, I mean, for sure, Central Ohio, you got some locations down yep. south as well. So just talk real quick about the history of Vance and uh, Vance Outdoors and how, how it got yeah. started. I just found this out. It's real, I thought it was really interesting. It's I very interesting. This. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, it started in 1938 as a grocery store yep. on Cleveland Avenue. Same uh, location. Yeah, we still operate out of that same location. They do a lot of LE stuff up there, but they sell shotguns. LE is law enforcement. Yes. Yep, 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 law enforcement. Yep. Law but, enforcement. Um, yeah, traditionally started off as a grocery store. Uh, the owner, Richard, um, it would be Todd's grandfather. Um, Todd's the current CEO right now. Um, he started it off and handed it off to Rich, which is Todd's dad, obviously. Yep. Yep. And um, then Rich, he had a, a rifle hanging above his you know, his desk. And one of the customers saw it, and they're like, hey, can you guys get firearms here? And he's like, yeah, I think we could do that. Back in the catalog days. Yeah. Right? So Pick it out of Sears you know, Magazine ordered the shotgun or rifle whatever the guy wanted and that's where it all started and then eventually rich you know he's like i think we want to move in the direction of sporting goods so yep i mean that's where it all started as far as the sporting goods dropped side. the wheaties and went to the yeah you know, dropped yeah. the wheaties and went to the remington yes. yeah 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 go. exactly and exactly. then todd and doug took over yep. and built it into what it is today it so is. four locations We've got Cleveland Ave. Yeah, Cleveland Avenue, the original store. Yep. Obviously, we're here in Hebron today, which um, a lot of people in Central Ohio, probably you, you as well, re- uh, remember it as like Buckeye Outdoors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so they you know, they took over Buckeye Outdoors. I can't remember the year on that, but it's pr- within the last 10 years, mm-hmm. I'd say, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, then uh, Obet's, which is what we refer to as our flagship store. It's where the gun range is. And, uh, that's a big boy. It's yeah. a big boy. It's a big boy store. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's a beauty, man. We that go over there. Built it's from the ground up. Built, yeah. So, it's got the yeah. indoor shooting range. Yes. Archer yeah. range out back as well. I mean, uh, yeah, that's through the village of Obet's. Okay. Um, but we partnership with them sometimes. And, you know, yeah, by, by all means, take advantage of that archer range because it's really nice. It's just down the hill. And then our newest location in Lebanon. Um, down near Cincinnati, you know, north of Cincinnati, there's as yep. a, one of our newer locations. So, mm-hmm. good, cool. good very, deal, very so. cool history. And like the the store on Cleveland Ave. For those who are not familiar with Central Ohio, at this point, it's the city, right? That's in the, mm-hmm. the yeah. heart of the city. I'm oh, sure yeah. back in the day, it I'm was sure looked it a lot different. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, as we sit here more on the the rural or outer side of, yeah. of the city, but. Um, it's definitely changed a lot. Eighty-four yeah. years, you know. Long, yeah, a lot happened. It's a long, yeah. long time. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And then Hebron. I mean, Hebron's. Hebron does everything, right? This is this is a, a classic store in the area. Um, it seems like a lot of our hunting, if you will, we have a huge fishing department. Mm-hmm. So if you're into fishing, you got Buckeye Lake right next door. One of the biggest fishing departments, I'd say, in the in the state at yep. least. You know, compared to some of the bigger box stores. But uh, yeah, it's. It's a great spot as well, but like you said, Cleveland Avenue being the original one, eighty some plus years, like. And then awesome. this store in out here in, in Heber, Heath or Hebron, what are Hebron, we? Yep. Technically, um, I always get them confused. <laughs> but you guys have a lot of bows here. This a lot is kind of like the archery headquarters mm-hmm. for Central yeah, Ohio. Probably. A lot of bows, yeah. With Matthews, Prime, Hoyt, uh, PSC, Diamond, Genesis, Elite, Elite. Uh, we bear, sell bear bear bows yeah right. we just got the new hunting public bow which is sweet yeah mm-hmm. definitely recommend checking that. that one out too so we do recurve stuff too. yeah tons of recurve pse um i can't think of that uh 30-06 was another one that we just got in mm-hmm. kind of like a combo bow fishing traditional archery then we have crossbows too yeah. 10 point raven <clears throat> wicked ridge wicked ridge yep. kind of got them all mm-hmm. we do yeah it's uh <laughs> like i said man it's awesome <laughs> you, you got your gopro literally standing on a morale target yeah, so yeah, two, two it doesn't <laughs> we're right next to just a, a, a 
pretty substantial amount of, of trapping gear as well. So yeah, yeah. really have it all. Yeah, yeah. and trapping and I can smell the lures from here. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like some skunk lure to get you started in the morning. Yeah, trapping is is you know you guys know too. Trapping has kind of been like a dying sport, you know, and it's it's great to work for a place that has literally everything that you want, right? And um, you know, you know, right down the road from that, you know, you have all our all of our mineral and all of our corn and and uh, out, you know, uh, food plot materials. So pretty much have everything you need and if you if we don't have it we can get it for you exactly yeah, for sure exactly. and a very substantial firearm counter uh, yeah. yes yeah. yeah a few a few just a few, a few. Back here. that just usually few. there's a nice line waiting you have to pick your number or whatever, there was so. yeah so when did you guys start your podcast we started it the idea originated i think last fall right we when i kind of came in i know you had been wanting to do it we, for a while yeah i'd been talking about it for a couple of years we just <laughs> didn't have the basically the team was like half what it is yeah. now so we didn't really have the time to devote to it mm-hmm. um and then i think it was like may well i started in june well or so yeah we would have been uh i think it was in towards the the fall of last year and then we, uh, it's funny we don't even know <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly well the first episode aired in february it was february like 14th i think or like February set, yeah, I think it was that whatever that Tuesday was in yeah. the second, first or second week in February. But we had recorded, um, as you guys know, you're always trying to find content and kind of stay ahead. You never want to get behind. And with us doing an episode every Tuesday, you know, we really had to show that we could to make this last. You know, I didn't want to be a three month and done kind of guy. And so uh, we recorded 13 episodes mm-hmm. before we even aired our first one. Wow. So we talked to 13 different people across the industry, a lot of guys that tethered and a lot of guys that people that we were connected with in terms of the industry. But yeah, I mean, even now, like I'm, we've recorded, I think we just finished our sixth ahead of schedule. Mm. So you got to really keep up on it because you, and and that's the problem too. Like we struggle with, and I'm sure you guys do, the relevancy is a big thing as well, right? So you want to keep ahead, but you don't want to be to the point where you're so far ahead that you're not talking about stuff that matters right now. So completely understand how that works yeah yeah and, so uh, the, <coughs> tomorrow is actually our 25th will be our 25th episode that we congratulations thank you it's a it's a lot of work you know you think you just go in there and start talking for an hour well, they, but know. They, know yeah, they know they know it was yeah. funny he sends me a text one day and said hey do you want to do a podcast i'm like i mean i'm kind of a mediocre hunter and i don't know yeah. anything about podcasting but sure why the hell not and and i think you know two months into it i think we both realized wow this is way more but, and time then, commitment than we thought, but it's been a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and, and I think I, I'm sure you guys are in that stage where you know it's fun. Meet, you know, you meet the listeners, you yep. talk to them, you meet some really neat people, and, and just talk about something that we all love, and that's hunting, fishing, yeah. the outdoors. So and I think that we think sold it to cool. our wives as it was be about an hour a week, and it's been it's way more than an hour, yeah, a little yeah. bit more than that. Yeah, by the sure. time you start like getting into the point, like we recorded three episodes last week, and uh, you know I'm, I'm spending probably a couple hours per episode researching the person because I'm in the same boat too. Ben and I. I mean, he's he's my avid angler. Um, I'm a mediocre hunter at best and uh, late late bloomer, if you will. And so you're talking to people, and I'm sure you guys can relate. Like, they're way more qualified to be on there. Like, I don't feel qualified sometimes to even talk to these people. You know, like a Taylor Chamberlain or you know John Eber. Jordan Bud on yeah. Friday, and it was like yeah, yeah Jordan Bud. Like, she's Jordan an absolute right stud. I don't yeah. know if we yeah. can cuss on here, but she's a no, badass. Yeah, yeah. badass, mm-hmm. and it's like. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm like I killed a few squirrels yet this last week. <laughs> yeah. You know what no, I mean? I like tell, I, I know exactly. Talking about you're... doll sheep, it's like what the heck uh, are we even talking about? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's we had Dave Owens on the show earlier in the year. Yeah. I love to turkey hunt. That's like my favorite thing to do. And and you know, Dave's talking about you know just traveling the world, and he's just so much knowledge. Yeah. And you just listen to that, and you're like, well, 
sometimes I'm I feel like, I, I, yeah I, I, I feel panic happens yeah. <laughs> yeah so no it's Certain it's questions. we're like, definitely in, definitely in the same boat so 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 one of the kind of the, the mutual connections that we have here not just you know we're customers obviously of this yeah. of this place but tethered so yes. we're here yes. in front of a ton of tethered stuff more um, coming you got the sys haulers knee pads you got you got platforms the, the kits the whole... you got the xl platforms regular platforms you guys got everything oh yeah the roll up we got the mvp the new mvp mm-hmm. which is pretty I'm sweet with today so i've been yeah. waiting for those, <laughs> but uh, so so we've got a really cool event coming up yes. uh, here is it is it here or in columbus it's the, here Okay, so it's, it's here. here. We've got the Teach and Train Tethered event. We've been talking about it a couple of weeks on the show. What is that going to be like? Awesome. Yeah, there we in go. The show's words, over. Awesome. Shut yep. the camera off. Awesome. <laughs> all we need. There you go. So uh, let's give a little bit of background here before we get started. So I have been t- saddle hunting since 2019. So the evolution of the Phantom, you know, I've seen both of those. I got kind of, you were looking at it, but mm-hmm. I remember really showing you that one day when we first met, like, hey, yep. bro, like this is revolutionary, right? <clears throat> They've blown up incredibly, even in that little four-year stretch. And so... Last year, we started bringing in their product in a limited basis. We had the Menace, if I'm not mistaken, the Eberhart, which is right behind you, and then some of the accessories in terms of the... I think we had ropes and knee pads. Knee pads, yep. Yep. And uh, back straps. It was like a trial run just to make sure. At all of our stores, and it did phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Did it go well? It did well. Yeah, it did very well. Um, And so this year... Uh, I think we talked with uh, our rep through through Tethered, uh, Shannon Shipley. He's a local guy, too. And, um, you know, Tethered, as you know, does the Teach and Trains event across the you know entire country, basically. Mm-hmm. I think right now they're in Montana or whatever. So it's like, hey, let's bring this in. What do we need to do to bring it in? We know we have the space. We know we're in the right part of the country, Whitetail Haven, you know, right there through the middle of the country. Let's bring it in. And, um Shannon hooked it up with us. We got connected with like Greg and Ernie and all those guys. And uh, yeah, August 27th from 10 to 4, mm-hmm. they're coming up from Nashville. And uh, Jared Schaefer is coming up from West Virginia, as well as his wife Amanda. Um, John Eberhart's coming down, which he's the GOAT. So when it comes to saddle hunting. Yeah, we're going to talk about John Eberhart. Yeah. <laughs> it will, what yeah. a fun interview. Yeah. When, you want to talk about leaving your podcast to an hour? <laughs> Blow that one out of the water with him. <laughs> also, you want to talk about realizing you know nothing Joel, about hunting yeah. when you're talking yeah. to somebody it's like I mean, yeah. that that guy we were, we were just talking about john eberhart on, on our show just recently and i watched the exodus trail cams mm-hmm. like the whitetail cribs yeah. and he's showing these guys around i'm like this guy has more bone on his wall Dude. than anybody in the country like yeah. he has to be yeah the greatest of all time he, he really, he really is. is over 50 pope and young record book deer that's, um, that's insane most yep. of which i think he said like f- most of them have been bow a handful have been gun but most of them have been bow and, and on public and, and on Michigan. public. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan, I think like half Kansas, of them in Michigan. And then the other half was, you know, Kansas, Iowa. Yeah. yeah. Kansas, Iowa, Ohio. Um, that guy, that guy he's, he's a legend, man. It'd be cool that, that he's coming up here. Adrian, he's from a, yeah. that guy. I, I really yeah. Adrian him. Wilson. He's dude, yeah. Man. He's a fantastic dude. Hopefully he's listening to this. He, uh, he was a really good connection for me. Actually, he was one of the first connections I think I made with tethered, um, him and Billy Phillips. I don't know if you're familiar with Billy Phillips. He, uh, is with Taylor Chamberlain. Um, the, the dynamic duo of uh, urban bow hunting in D.C. And so we yeah. connected with those two. And then, you know, it's just like slowly chipping away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked to Jordan Riley from Capture Creative. It does a lot with First Light as well as Tethered and Taylor Chamberlain. Um, Adrian, Adrian's a good dude. He's Adrian's good. a really good dude. Real so good dude. He, helped, he helped us out quite a bit getting people connected as well. Yep. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good product. It's, I mean, it's my yeah. first time in a saddle system. I am not a tree hunter. Yeah. Uh, I like sitting on the ground. Yet. Yeah, yet. I am now. You um, 
was at the ATA show this past yeah. year, and I met Adrian and Taylor and those guys, yeah. and and I did the I did the demo. And did you? Perfect. I'm like you know what? I could I could probably I could probably do this. We're gonna give it a try. I've, yeah. I've, I'm I'm up to about eight feet is kind of my max. So <laughs> yeah. two sticks. That's kind of my yeah. max right now. But uh, we'll figure it out. I'm well, grab yourself some Skeletors when you're here. I think we have like 200 boxes coming, so mm-hmm. we'll have plenty of Skeletors. And yeah, the Skeletors are sweet. I got the Skeletors. Those are those There's are real the, nice. They're legit. Yeah. You guys are gonna have plenty of everything then. For yeah, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we got a lot of a lot of everything because not only are we I. I Brandon knows better than I do, but I think not only are we trying to supply the event, but we're also trying to supply for the rest of the season as well. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, you can get more stuff in, but we expect a lot of people. And so. this is, I mean, we've talked about it almost at nausea. I'm sure people are about sick of hearing me talk about it. The saddle thing is kind of intimidating because it seems like there's so much. And even, Paul, when you've got yours and you're, yeah. what do I do with this rope and that rope? But that's what this teach and train event would be, is so perfect, perfect. for. Because yep. you can ask the people that have done it forever. Yeah. Uh, you know how to how to work everything. Make sure you're doing it right, um, and really get comfortable with it before you make that investment. I would argue that it's one of the best investments you can make because oh, yeah. it is so versatile and comfortable and everything that goes with it. But to be really comfortable with your with your setup, coming to an event like this would be awesome. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. And I mean, they say it themselves too. That the goal is to get people interested in saddle hunting. It doesn't matter if you're using the tether product, which we you know obviously they would prefer, but whether you're using Trophy Line Cruiser, you know name your name making your own kit yeah. it's like the goal is just to get people into saddle hunting and if you find that tether products work for you which I'm, i feel like you will then you know that, that's the that's perfect so i can i can talk about saddle hunting from a complete novice standpoint and so the last time that i hunted out of a tree is with like a summit viper climber yeah you know public land and that thing's clanking all the way through the sure, woods and it's sure. heavy yeah and it's just you know is the bottom gonna fall out is that little string that's connecting the two pieces yeah. gonna yeah so there's all these all these things and it's been variables. Is is a bigger guy i mean i've been i've been really comfortable in the in these in these tethered uh tethered systems so far haven't hunted with it yet, so the yeah. verdict's still out. But I know, you know, a lot of guys, you included, have had a, had a yeah, lot of success. Yeah, it's with um, them, so. I I think I really got, you know, because you, you think of safety, right? And anything that you're doing new is is a little bit concerning at first. I think we all kind of had our trembles when we first started doing it. But I think I just posted a picture the other day. Um, my son Reese is three years old, and I got him sitting in mine. Of course, I cinched it as tight as I could get it, and it was like, I mean, it's so easy a three year old can do it. Like, mm. kind of. I mean. He was sitting there, but he was still pretty comfortable. Did you have to like tell your wife to go away for a while? Like, no, I, I mean, luckily I it was only, it was like a you know a couple feet up. You know, I was right there with him. But that's the thing too. You know, like finding a tree in my front yard or your backyard and just practicing, practicing. I mean, you don't have to be high to get the motions down. Yeah. Right? You know, you could do everything that you need to do at three feet, one step up, and then the rest of it's just climbing. We did, we did a training video last year when yep. we first got him, and what we were only. I only did like a stick up. I think he had the big sticks, so he went. I think two yeah. sticks up, and or maybe it just was just one to stick. show, just yeah. to show, like, hey, like your method of climbing up is whatever you want to do. There's so many different options, mm-hmm. um, but once you get to that point where you're transitioning to the platform, that's when this, that's when this stuff really comes in play. But shooting too, like you want to practice shooting because yep. if you don't do that, you're going to be. I haven't done that yet. Awkward. That's the that's yep. the next kind of for me. It was just okay. Don't be. You know, get comfortable with with the saddle, the tether, the lineman ropes. Getting exactly. you know, get the sticks on, get the platform on. So it's been you know, two sticks. Mm-hmm. Just kind of kind of figure that out. So shooting shooting is next, I guess. But yeah, I've, I've, I've I am a big fan of this system so far in my front yard. But uh, oh, yeah. it's yeah, it's super light. I mean, nothing's worse than 
going through brambles or briars and getting hung up with your, you know, your hang on on your back or God forbid a climber, you know, like you even get hung up on this stuff, but now you have the option to throw it in your bag or wear it in. Um, especially with the suspender system that they just came out with, with some of the newer, the newer, uh, phantom kits. If you climb with a one stick, you, you're carrying nothing. Right. Exactly. One stick. Yeah. Yeah. So the so the the event coming up August twenty seventh August twenty seventh Saturday Saturday what August twenty seventh again from ten to four ten to four I expect it probably to go over a little bit. Do people um, need to register before? They don't need to register. It's completely free. Uh, we're gonna have you guys are both familiar with the area, so we're gonna have Moe's food truck from Newark uh, here as well, and then uh, Molten Grilled Cheese, which is another uh, food mm-hmm. truck out in Newark. So both of those guys will be here. Um, just like every teaching train event, we'll have event pricing. Uh, we have tons of stock. If we run out, Tethered has their stock that we'll be pulling from, so we'll have plenty of options for people there. Yep. Um, it's you said inside, right? Inside, which is great, yeah. So whether it's 95 degrees or raining, you know, it's the end of August, you never know. We'll be right over here in the atrium, though, as soon as you guys walk in. Um, they'll have their whole, like, three-tree system, so you can get up Same a little bit. Oh, yeah, nice. Yep. nice. Yeah, that I'm comfortable with. Yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly. So. So is it like an open house, or are there going to be like seminars, or you just come in and you're going to get individual one-on-one time with someone to show you the system, how to get I up I think it's going to be a little bit of all, okay. you know, depending on yeah. how many people and the kind of what the, the show looks like. I mean, those guys are coming down to teach, uh, so, you know, they'll be here with hands-on experience. You know, we'll both be here to kind of help people with our experiences and stuff, too. So as much hands-on experience as we can, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of BSing and a lot of... A lot of knowledge transferring for sure. Mm-hmm. It's what hunters do best, yeah. right? Exactly. I mean, worst case scenario, you come down, you meet some cool people, right? I yeah. mean, you, you, if you leave here with nothing, maybe at least walk around the store a little bit and pick up some stuff. But you know, if you leave here with not buying a product, at least you have the opportunity to talk to some like-minded people and, and kind of hang out for a, a, an air-conditioned afternoon, right? right. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. good food, great food. So, and if you're not familiar with Vance's or the area, like <laughs> to me. You know, if you came from northern Ohio and you were hunting somewhere down here, public land, and you know you needed something, now you're yep. familiar with where you guys are at. And yeah. like you said earlier, you have it all. So Yeah, we're right on 40, uh, you know, pretty close to 70. I mean, right in Buckeye Lake, so it's super, super easy to get to. Um, if you're a public land guy, you have to be here. Yeah. There's no question. I mean, there's no question. I mean, just the, the ability to walk in. We did a hike. We talk about about every episode because it was such a pain in the butt, but we walked just about a mile to where we hang, yeah. where we hung. And if we had to bring stands, we would have been dead. We were already fat and out of shape anyway, <laughs> let alone carrying an extra 15 pounds. So yeah. yep. salad game, it, it, that changes the game for, yeah. for sure. So oh, sure. back to podcast, you guys got any good guests, any, 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 anyone you want to talk about coming up? Uh, yeah. So next, uh, actually tomorrow, I'm not sure when this is airing, but, uh, tomorrow we're uh, talking with Reese Johnson. I'm sure you guys have seen him on the Exodus stuff. If you've seen some of the, uh, John Eberhart talking, uh, buying the uh, right property mm-hmm. uh, he's a real estate agent down in southern kentucky so buying the right hunting property and kind of using some some strategy to pick up those diamonds in the rough and then uh he created trail cam tuesday, trail cam tuesday. Hashtag. yeah yeah Ashtag trail cam I've tuesday seen that. i've seen that rolling around yeah good for it. yeah um there's plenty of good episodes in the past we talked to maddie Bernal, who is the uh, bronze medalist in the olympics last year for uh women's international bunker trap Oh, wow. So, well, it was a, it was a team bunker trap. I'm, I apologize. It was a mixed team trap. So her and another gentleman were on the team together. Um, we have uh, Bo Martonic coming up here in a few weeks. We actually have Kurt Densmore, who is one of our archery techs. He does a lot of primitive hunting and, and napping. Mm-hmm. That was a really fun episode. He, yep. You know, brought out some hand-napped arrowheads and some primitive tools. Heck, he even brought his uh, wing bone turkey call. 
Yeah, he makes his own turkey yeah, calls. That so kind of guy right there. Yeah, yeah so he, he, he hit that. Just up. He hit that on the podcast. That will be in a couple weeks. Uh, we talked about Jordan Budd, who's, you know, yeah. um, Rochelle Hedrick uh, from DSG. We carry uh, a lot of the DSG women's apparel. So in addition to the tethered event in October, we're also having a women keeping it wild event that we've done for like the last three years, mm. two years at least. I think it's been four COVID maybe. I'll say COVID's really kind of messing yeah. my mind but uh the women keeping a wild event is October 15th cool and that's at the Buckeye Lake Winery over there in Fairfield Beach very cool uh, so that's a, an event just solely to try to get more women into the outdoors so yeah. yep awesome now you guys individually any cool hunts planned for this this fall <clears throat> I'm working on Kentucky right now I don't know if I'm gonna be able to swing it we planned on Nebraska and yeah. Wyoming, but uh, yeah, I didn't. didn't I didn't draw for Wyoming this year uh, for goats. So, unfortunately, their herd populations. There's your fan. The uh, herd populations oh, wow, down wow. again. <laughs> but um, so I drew for that. We were going to kind of combo it with a Nebraska hunt uh, for some uh, Northwest mule deer. Yeah. But uh, that failed. That fell through. And then I'm looking to visit. We mentioned Billy Phillips and Taylor Chamberlain. I'm looking to visit those guys um, in October to to smash some uh, suburban does and kind of do some doe management with those guys in Virginia. I might be tagging along for that Yeah, one. that was going to be, be a blast. Yeah. That's going to be a blast. Yeah. Um, Billy's such a freaking great guy. Um, we got to see his bird, too. If you don't know, he, he does falconry, which mm. is a really, really cool, really cool sport. Small game crushing with falcons that he trains. It's it's it's, it's That's pretty That's pretty cool. It's that really sounds, cool. That sounds badass. It's really cool. Like yeah, and then uh, outside of that, Got some nice bucks on camera locally for my some permission property that I have, and I know he's got some family. Yep, I'm just gonna hunt locally. Yeah, and I I mean for trips I just go on fishing trips. I don't really know yeah. hunting trips yet, but probably Lake St. Clair again here soon. Try nice. to catch some smallies again. Yeah, you were crushing them up there in the spring. Yep, crushing them. Jim, we really appreciate your time. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, go ahead. Do you want like our individual, just whatever, you want, yeah, whatever you want? Okay, man. The Vance um, Outdoors, whatever you guys want. To do. Yeah, so Vance Outdoors, it's Vance Outdoors Inc. Everywhere. Yep. Um, Instagram, the, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Vance yep. Outdoors. You'll Pretty find much it. everything. And then mine individual, it's uh, Ben underscore J. Yep. At you know that's at on Instagram and just I mean nobody's I don't really use Facebook so <laughs> I, I, I follow you on Instagram Ben and you have not returned oh, so oh I'll make sure I do that, <laughs> call, sure I do that. <laughs> call them out that's my bad um yeah so everywhere advance outdoors and then <laughs> it's funny because I'm running both of those so sometimes I get my stuff can, uh, crisscross but then at Instagram I'm just at untenair which is uh kind of a hard thing to spell but you guys can show note it u-n-t-e-r-n-a-h-e-r mm-hmm. so that is a hard one to spell it is it is that, let's put it this way that username was not taken one <laughs> there you go. There you go. Gentlemen, yeah. thank you so much, man. We'll be here for sure for the tethered event. Hopefully people come in, check this place out. This is a cool store. Got a lot of stuff here. Local company. That's that's important to, yeah. a, to a lot of people. And I guess I, I should think, mention so. too before we go, employee owned company. Yeah. So yeah. locally employee awesome. owned. Um we didn't mention that, but yeah, so it's very, very local now at this point. We're not yep. going anywhere for a long time. That's good. good. Deal. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate yeah, your time. You. Awesome. Thank you. Take What's up, everybody? Well, we're back here on the O2 Podcast, and today we are joined by Trent Marsh from Spy Point Cameras. Trent, how are you today? Good, and yourself? Oh, just fantabulous, as you were saying, and we were saying, it feels like Monday, even though it's a Tuesday, and uh-huh. like you said, we're on th- year three of Mondays at this point, so... Uh, <laughs> Seems like it. Uh, Trent, 
If you don't mind, will you give our listeners um, just a, a little rundown of your history in, in the industry, um, your position within SpyPoint, and, and whatever else you feel is pertinent? Absolutely. So uh, Trent Marshall said, I'm SpyPoint Trail Cameras. I'm our editorial manager over there. So I uh, manage a lot of our uh, our content. We've got a full content stream at SpyPoint. we got a couple video series, uh, our own podcast, as well as uh, a blog. So any given month, uh, SpyPoint as a brand, we're dropping somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, five, sometimes as many as eight or 10 pieces of content ourselves. Uh, so that's, that's a big part of my focus. Um, and just, I work with a lot of our, our influencers and our personalities, that kind of stuff as well. And, uh, really kind of the voice of the spy point brand. If, if there's something that the consumer sees it, it probably came across me at some point. Uh, I've been with spy point since 2019. Uh, my, my first official day on the job was at ATA the day we launched the link micro, which a lot of listeners are, are probably familiar with if they're familiar with spy point at all. Uh, but I've been around the industry now for, for close to 15 years, uh, on the marketing side, but also, uh, do a lot of freelance writing done some consulting over the years, uh, just kind of been in and around the industry in a lot of ways, a lot of ways for quite a while. So first day at ATA with a new camera release, that must've been a whirlwind for you. That place, I mean, it's, that what, place you know, it, it's, uh, it was a little bit easier because it wasn't my first ATA. It was just my first ATA with spy point. So that helped. Um, and honestly, I, I kind of just got to show up and, and take over what everybody else had done. So it was, it was a little bit easier than, you know, a lot of anymore I show up and I've got, you know, six months of, of that being my baby into what we're, we're launching that day. I kind of just got to show up for the fun part and uh, not worry about any of the rest of it. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was something. Trent, where are you from? What's your home state? So I'm in Northeast Indiana. I'm not, I'm between uh, for those familiar, I'm between like Fort Wayne and Warsaw. Okay. Right up here in the Northeast corner of the state, about an hour, an hour from Ohio and an hour from Michigan as the crow flies, essentially. There you go. Backyard. Awesome. Backyard. Well, Trent, we want to talk to you a little bit today about some just basics on cameras, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that time of year it is, uh, but I I see to me, I like to have them out all year long, but uh, just to see the different, you know, phases throughout the year. Cameras have come a long way. So, Mm When were they, when was the first trail camera um, released? Like the one that was massive. I've seen pictures and stuff of it. I mean, the the I don't know the exact date, uh, you know. But I had my just my first trail camera was a hand me down one of the old film units from you know the kind of the mid to late eighties. I think is when some of the homebrew stuff started happening. I think the first ones that were really commercially available were kind of that late late eighties, early nineties. Um, and yeah, my my first one uh, was a brand redacted film can't you literally had to take a, a roll of film which far too many of our listeners probably don't even know what i'm talking about and then you know six d cell batteries you know the same ones that were in your your nwa jukebox you had to you had to take those and it weighed about four and a half pounds and then yeah you let it sit in the woods for a week maybe two then you have to go take the film out 
to get it developed to sit and go yeah that's and now aging we, myself a little bit and but, now we yeah. complain if we have to go out and pull an sd card right yeah uh-huh yeah <laughs> a, a 512 gig sd card yeah, once every with thirty thousand photos on it god how it's dare terrible. you inconvenience me with this that's with this problem so 2008 like we need the cell, <laughs> cell cam it has to go right to my phone every morning right uh-huh so, yeah. well I mean, I know the one of the first ones I had was probably early 2000s, and, you know, it has. They've just evolved exponentially. And I, I think the cell cam mm-hmm. is, is by far one of the best um, steps in innovation for the industry and, and for, you know, the sport. But there's always a lot of questions about that. And I was talking mm-hmm. to somebody the other day, and I think let's just clear clear the air real quick. When it comes to a cellular camera and it says that you can pick Verizon or AT&T, you do not have to have Verizon or AT&T as your phone carrier, correct? I'm going to lean directly into the microphone (laughs) and say in a clear and resounding voice, your personal cellular phone provider has less than nothing to do with which carrier model of cellular trail camera you should select listen close kids doesn't matter so if you have t-mobile you are still eligible to use a cellular camera with the verizon or at&t network has nothing to do with that so cellular cameras that require you to choose a carrier model because not all do real quick. We'll get to that later. I'm sure. But for those camera models where you do need to select one of the carrier model units should be selected based on what network will give you the best, most reliable signal where the camera will actually be used. I have a Verizon cell phone and have, I've had the same phone number no joke since 1997 again showing how old i am it is a verizon phone and has always been a verizon phone in my my camera list i have verizon cameras i have what we call our nationwide cameras i've run other cameras that were at&t it has nothing to do with your your personal carrier in if you've got multiple farms if you've got multiple states it's very likely that you are going to need multiple carriers to make sure that you've got um you know good performance wherever those cameras are placed but yes if you've got t-mobile if you've got boost if you have verizon if you have at&t it does not matter what matters is on the farm where the camera is going, figure out what your best, most reliable carrier is and make that purchase. Again, small asterisk for those cameras that do require that because we'll come back around to that here in a minute. Yes. I'm sure. So if for somebody else who, you know, got past that point, okay, what are some things that you might consider if you're going out to buy a camera for the first time or just to upgrade some of your current cameras? I mean, if you're looking at a cell cam and you've, I've, I mean, you guys obviously have released a new one here um, not too long ago, but uh, what else are some things that you might look at and and consider when, when going out to buy that first cell cam? 
whether it's a cell cam or not, the the single biggest piece of advice I could give to people when they're buying trail cameras is to choose the right camera for where you plan to use it. Because a trail camera is not a trail camera is not a trail camera. Um, you know, before we hopped on the call, we were talking about, you know, some different cameras that, that people have used. And obviously the Link Micro has been wildly popular for Spy Point. And that's a great all-around camera. But if you compare and contrast the, the specs and the features of the Link Micro to something like, um, you know, the Link S Dart or even the new Flex, you know, if you're going to put that, if you're, if you, cause you know, we all go buy a trail camera and we're like, I know the tree that I'm going to put this on, right? Like I know where I didn't have a camera last year. I know where I want it. And what you need a camera to do that's on a trail between a bedding and transition area is different than what you need a camera to do that's on a feeder or on a mineral site or in a food plot, you know? So think about where you are primarily planning on using this camera. And even, you know, we're, as we're on here, we're talking in late July and for the guys that don't have cameras out year round, they're getting ready to take their arsenal back out to the woods. Look at your cameras and, and look at things like, What's the trigger speed of this camera compared to that one? And this is it's just a common misconception. So, you know, you just kind of pulled the string on, on the Woody doll. So I'm going to filibuster now, but like you, you take a thing like trigger speed and first of all, people misunderstand it because you'll see if you have the displeasure of going on the internet or going on Facebook and somebody will post a nighttime photo, right? And it's of a walking deer and the deer is blurry and they'll say, oh, your trigger's too slow. No. Uh, photography physics are why that is blurry because the shutter speed, the shutter of the camera has to be open for enough time at night for the flash to be able to illuminate whatever woke that camera up and take a picture. And if it's not moving, then great. You've got a perfect photo, but if it's moving and the sensor on that camera, or if we go all the way back to film cameras and talk about the actual shutter being open, if it has to be open for a 30th of a second think about how far you can run in a 30th of a second and all of that motion is going to show up as blur in the photo that's shutter trigger speed is how long it takes that camera once the motion de detector has been triggered to wake up and take a picture so is it two tenths of a second is it eight tenths of a second is it a full second do you you know just thinking of it that way go stand in front of the tree you're going to put it on open the stopwatch on your phone go to the detection here's another spec go to the detection range that that camera has is it 70 feet is it 80 feet let's just say it's 100 start at 100 feet start your stopwatch and then see how far you can go in a second if it's a second trigger speed that's that's the time it's going to take for the camera to even wake up and then it's going to take that photo well, did you go 50 feet? Did you go 80 feet? How fast can a deer go versus how fast you went? And then think about, okay, am I putting this camera in a position to succeed? Am I taking a, a camera with a 50 foot detection range and a one second trigger time and putting it on a trail 
And then I'm going to go pull the card or I'm going to open my app tomorrow morning and I'm going to have a bunch of empty photos and say, I'm getting a bunch of false triggers. Oh, stupid squirrels. Oh, stupid birds. Oh, this branch was moving. It was probably deer and you were missing them because you didn't put that camera in a position to succeed. Did you get all that, Paul? I did. Okay. I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering, you know, what I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm getting some pictures. I, I just, I told you before we started this, this talk that I just bought my first cell cam. It's the link micro LTE. I love it. And I'm, 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 I'm a dummy when it comes to trail. I've never used them. You know, I walked out to an area that I knew that there are a ton of deer out here. It's a, you know, a really good bedding area, a lot of cover on an oxbow, found a well-worn trail. And then I'm starting to get these pictures and I feel like all the deer are at the very edge of the the range that I put it because you know if I've got if I've got eighty pictures, seventy five of them the deer are all the way at that very far far corner and right I don't know so it's I need to get back out there I need to get the, the whole time you're talking I'm like oh, I did not set that camera to succeed so <laughs> I'm like <laughs> chastising myself as you're talking thinking what I can well and what I can do differently the, you know so. the the other thing and and. It, I caught some internet flack for it earlier this year. You were talking about when I was on another one of the podcasts, one of the things we talked about on there was the infamous stick, right? Everybody that's like, okay, you take your trail cameras, you take your machete and you take your sticks and then you walk up to the tree and about chin high, you strap that camera to it and then you jam a stick behind it and you point it down. So it's at the right angle. And I'll, I'll explain it again. Because I, again, if you're, if you're, people are going to complain that the camera is not performing that the way that they should, but if they're not putting the camera in a position to succeed, there's an issue. The detection sensor of that camera is shooting out as a, basically a flat ray. It's not a cone. It's not a three-dimensional cone. It's a, just like the motion detection lights on your house. If you could, we've all done that. We've walked where it should turn it on, but we're too far away because the lights pointed down, right? So it's a flat line. Think of it like the NFL end zone that is extending as far as it goes, right? And obviously it may only work till 80 or hundred feet. But if you point that down eight degrees, 10 degrees, 15 degrees, you're not getting a hundred foot detection zone because you've taken it and you've shot it into the ground. It's at 60 feet is where it's impacting the ground. So now you're already missing deer that you should be getting, you know, a situation like that where you don't want the camera right on top of the trail, right? You want it back a little bit. So hopefully they don't see the flash or whatever the case may be. But now, now the deer that you should be getting at 20 yards, 25 yards from the camera, getting a real good look at, they're never even triggering the camera to turn on because you've, you've angled that thing down. Um, yeah, I, what I've started doing, and if you're, if you're just absolute dead set on the whole idea of my cameras, 90% of them are mounted waist level. I walk up to the tree. I go back to football two a days. I take a knee and that's where I mount it. Walk up, take a knee, mount your camera about three feet off the ground, two and a half, three feet off the ground, straight out, slightly up, slightly down. It's not going to matter. You're in the sweet spot. You're going to maximize the detection range of that camera. If you are absolutely dead set on the idea that, nope, he's going to see the LEDs. I'm not going to get mature bucks. All I'm going to see is does. I'm not going to do that. Instead of mounting it head high and putting a stick behind it, 
and I have to like cover up the opinions about to be shared by Trent Marsh are not <laughs> those of Spy Point or Oscar. It's Trent Marsh opinion only. Mount it lower. Mount it closer to the grass and point it up a little bit. You know, if 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 your concern is that you're gonna you're gonna spook that deer. If he's 30 feet away from the camera, he can see the flash six feet up just as easy as he can three feet up. We can have that argument later, but if you're dead set against it, get it low, get it where it's maybe down and obscured by something else. A, because you don't have to tip it quite as much to get the angle that you want. And also it's kind of a cool angle, like those, those up angle, but that, that detection range, when you're talking about a deer that the top of its head might be five feet off the ground you're you're giving yourself more of a chance with that slight incline shooting a distance and catching the top of a deer's head out in the field than you are stick behind it shooting it right into the ground and never giving yourself a chance so you started to go into the the topic idea of the flash scaring the deer and only getting does and all that kind of stuff um how's that evolved over the last few years i feel like that's been a huge point as far as trying to reduce the startle factor a i don't think there's any good science behind it and b if you ask 10 hunters what their experience has been you'll get 11 different answers deer have personalities they do you know we we talk about deer as this monolith if you're gonna hunt whitetail and we're talking about all 20 million deer in the country you need to do this it's not how deer function there are shy deer, there are bold deer, there are active deer, there are lazy deer. So, you know, you have some guys swearing that white flash bothers them less than IR and some saying you have to use black. And For me, I think what has more of an impact than the flash is how often you're going in to mess with your cameras in general. That's what I mean. If, if you've spent much time out in the woods, especially after dark, you have heard and seen all kinds of things that give you the heebie-jeebies. And if you know what you're looking for in an IR flash, it's a little red light. That's, that's headlights hitting a raccoon's eyes. at the Like there's a million different things that if you just want to go walk around the woods in the middle of the night, you're going to find 15 different things that you'll swear was somebody walking, was somebody messing. Like, so do they look at that and go, oh, trail camera, they're deer. They can't reason, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it might throw them off and, and some bucks just aren't going to be tolerant of it regardless. And it doesn't matter. You hear the same arguments about ladder tree stands. I, I don't hunt out of ladder tree stands because deer knows I'm going to be sitting up there. Okay. There's a lot of deer that have been killed I, out, of, out of ladder you know, trees. I say, too. Tree, you know, fall of 2020, I killed a 180 inch whitetail out of a ladder tree stand 15 yards from the base. Like, okay, you <laughs> hunt out of hang ons. This is working for me. Like, there's just, there's no, I don't, there's, there's no one answer. I, traditional IR, I don't like the white flash because to me, that is completely out of the ordinary. Um, you know, unless every night is a lightning storm. White flash is not something normal, but whether it's no glow or whether it's just a a traditional low glow IR, I think either one's fine. The camera positioning matters, you know, mate. Sure. I try to put it where I don't think the deer is necessarily going to be looking the entire time. I don't try to give the location of the camera away in an obvious way, even during daytime. 
you know, and that's, that's got as much to do with trespassers as it does what I want the deer reaction to be. I just don't want somebody to walk through the woods that I hunt and go, ha, cool, free $200 camera and walk off. Right. Um, when you're coming to setting cameras up, some of the basics to consider, uh, directional, which side of the tree, things to look for, obviously, you know, scrapes, rubs, trails, that kind of stuff, but yeah so a lot of it has to do with how you treat cameras um again we kind of talked about a little bit earlier i've i've really become a cameras out as many days of the year as humanly possible for me because the little tidbits you might pick up in march or april can be just as important as what you learn in october and november so you know positioning of cameras has a lot to do with are they up year round or are you just running them from basically like, you know, August to December? So we'll talk, we'll talk the easiest one first. If, if you're somebody that's listening to this podcast right now and you are listening in the, I'm about to go put my cameras out to get inventory to know what I'm doing this fall, we'll talk to you first. If that's the case, I am putting the cameras in what I anticipate to be fall pattern locations right now. My goal, even though it never happens, is I want to be done messing my stuff around in the woods, moving tree stands, all that kind of thing by 4th of July. And I say 4th of July so that by like the 8th of August rolls around, I'm only a month late, then I feel good about myself, right? But what I do in that 4th of July, what I'm doing in the month of July and into early August is I'm, I'm moving off of those summer locations and putting them in the fall locations right now, especially especially if it's a cellular pro camera, especially because I want to know the minute they transition to fall pattern. I want to know, you know, when, when the, cause right now I'm, I'm just starting to really get into hitting my stride with seeing bucks. Most of the properties that I hunt, we don't, we don't have resident bucks, which is perfectly fine by me. I'd rather have doe properties. Right. But we're getting to the point, you know, it starts to change and we start seeing them kind of the second half of July into August. Things aren't changing yet that they're about to. And about the 20th of August to Labor Day, somewhere in that range, the bucks are going to disappear. Gone. And then when they reappear, velvet's gone. Bachelor groups are broken up. It's one buck at a time now. It's not two or three. It's it. I want to know when that happens. Even though my Indiana season doesn't open until October, I want to know exactly when that happens because I want to know what bucks become a resident of the area that I'm hunting and what bucks that I saw this summer, even if it was sporadically, are going to be on a slightly different path. So because if, if you don't have if, any bucks, I found, go ahead. I was going to say, if you don't have any bucks on your camera right now, it's not the end of the world. Like as of today, for, whatever the 26th. For me, no. Okay. For about 30 gi- different reasons. You're giving though. me hope. But for, for me, I, the, and part of it's because, you know, I, the, there's a guy that I hunt with here locally and we've actually got some, some bigger farms in, in Indiana terms to hunt, but we got a couple smaller spots too. The vast majority of us are not hunting resident deer. We're hunting deer that you, if you think you're the only one that knows about that deer, you're wrong. <laughs> there, there are six other hunters that are also chasing that 160 inch 10 point that you've seen 
And every one of them is sitting here at the end of July and going into August. Like, yes, yes, he's here. I got him. I'm going to hunt him. I got him. And then he disappears. Bachelor groups break up. They move on to that fall pattern. And from a, from a pure hunting standpoint, take trail cameras out of it. You know where deer are going to be largely. They're going to pay attention to their stomach right up to the rut. And then you got about a month, six weeks where they're chasing skirts and then they're back on feed. I would rather have a doe group or two or three doe groups live in my area for several reasons. First of all, does are more tolerant of human intrusion. They just are. Because once a doe establishes a core area, she may move from this woodlot to that woodlot. And if you pressure, you know, if you bump the same two or three does out of a woodlot every day for three days, guess what? They're gone. Most hunters aren't that stupid. They're not going to do that. But the occasional, oh, I bumped a deer, doesn't matter. She's just going to go to a different area. If there's an area that she prefers, it's because of food, cover, water. And that's not changing just by you being there. And because we don't hunt those the same way we hunt bucks, she will tolerate you far more than a buck will. But if you are hunting a buck from his bedroom, your margin for error is less than zero. I like having margin for error. Just because I'm going to screw up. The wind's going to change once I'm into a stand. I'm going to have to go in at the wrong time of day. Something is going to happen where I'm not able to hunt that buck's bedroom the way that I want to. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hunt does. And then I'm going to let bucks come to me. So if I go all summer and all I have is three doe groups on camera, A, I'm going to fill a tag early and I'm going to put venison in the freezer. And B, I'm going to sit and I'm going to wait. And then once I see that rutting activity start, I'm going to be in those locations. And because I've hunted this property all year that was primarily does, and I see the deer working the property, by the time rut rolls around, I'm not guessing where she's bedding under certain conditions because I've hunted her under these conditions two or three times, but I didn't shoot her. But I know where she's going to be, and therefore I know what a buck is going to have to do to come in and breed her. That was, again, I, I talked about the buck I killed in 2020. Abs- I'm like two weeks away from having him back from the taxidermist because of the supply chain issues. But I mean, it was a 180 inch deer that we had one trail camera picture of four days before I killed it. Nice. Triple brow tie, main bean kicker, like just this big, cool, gnarly mainframe 10, right? Did not, we had one picture of this deer. We didn't know that he existed, but we had a weird east wind. I know where the deer, the does bed in this property. And with an east wind, I could get in and be just on the northeast side of where they bed. And if a buck was going to come in that morning, he was going to come in, he was going to work the backside of this woods, and he was going to scent check that bedding area. And what happened? He came right in behind me, walked within, at one point, as close as 11 yards from the tree, and then turned and went to scent check that woods. Shot him at 25 yards. Nice. I'd never seen that deer. Nice. I wasn't hunting that buck. I was hunting the idea of what bucks are going to do. So if I've got property with does, A, my options are way more open. You know, because if, like I said, if you get caught up hunting that one buck and your neighbor kills him, 
how hard is it to keep going back out to the woods if that's the only buck you've seen all year and you don't have a lot of does on your pro like that just I'm I'm prone to negativity and depression enough as it is. I don't need that kind of <laughs> I don't need that kind of bad in my life. Like give me some hope. Let I like me that. go out and see that. I like that saying that you had. I, I'm I'm hunting the idea of what bucks do, not a specific buck. I think I, that's that's kind of how I am. You know, I'm just like man, one shows up, you know, I'm not going to get, you know, tied to anyone. And and to kind of hammer your point home, we had Dustin Huff, an, an Indiana boy on the show uh, a couple weeks ago, and he talked about that, you know, that US record deer that he shot. He had never seen it. The, they had there there were farmers or hunters that had that deer on trail camera. I believe what was it six miles away from where he shot him, and they no one had seen that deer close to him. But just one of those weird weird days, everything you know fell fell in line. So yeah, it's, true true statement. With all that in mind, to get all the way back to the original bunny trail we started on. Just right now, if the cameras are just going out, focus on the fall patterns. Go find the fall food sources. Go find the fall bedding areas. Locate those transition areas where you're going to be watching um, does and bucks as they as they come ready to feed. Where where historically in on your properties have you seen bucks and does interacting together? And monitor that activity. Um, and and. If I've got cameras out year round, like I said, I, this is basically the month of July is when I'm, I'm making that transition. I'm moving my stands from the year before, so on and so forth. I'm doing the same thing. I've, I've monitored fawn recruitment. I've monitored predators. I've monitored velvet season. And I'm going to give up, you know, because again, by now, there's a little bit of growth left. But at this, at this point, the antlers are hardening off. The velvet's getting ready to come off. What you've seen in velvet is what you're going to see relative to hard antler. So if I if I'm not in prime camera location for the next four weeks, A gives me time to forget about the bucks that I shouldn't be focused on anyway. And B, it, I don't have to go back in two weeks before season opens to make sure that I'm on that oak flat that I want to be on, or to make sure that I'm monitoring that inside corner on what will be a cut cornfield. I'm already there. Yes, the next month may be, you know, a crapshoot relative to the photos that I'm getting, but I'm going to run fall locations basically from July until the end of the season. Beautiful. Okay, Trent. And then obviously for those experienced trail camera people, they understand this. Uh, if you haven't been big in the camera world in the past, make sure that you don't have one stupid branch that's right in front of the camera. Okay. Make sure the grass is, is trimmed down underneath, uh, because uh -huh. if not, guess what? You're going to be back in there with a string trimmer or the machete or whatever to clean that up. So the, the most important piece of equipment you have to, to run trail cameras is a machete. Um, obviously there are times that you can't, you know, there are, I don't monitor a lot of scrapes, because in my experience, scrapes primarily nocturnal activity. It's going to, again, it's going to put me on deer that I can't hunt, which is going to take me off the deer that I can. Might give me an idea of what's there, but it's not necessarily good, actionable intelligence. So by and large, I avoid it. That said, there are two farms with two community scrapes that I do every year monitor. Just trail camera scrape advice. There's for a scrape to be useful. There's going to be a branch in it. 
the scrapes that I put trail cameras on are not on field edges. I try to find tree scrapes that are inside the woodlot to try to take some of that wind moving branch out of the equation. There's only so much that you can do, but I don't need 6,200 photos this month of the same maple branch doing this. Like that's, that's just, I may give up some photos that would be really cool scrape photos, but eh, it's not that big of a deal to me. Um, The other thing is whenever possible, face the camera north, south, not east, west, because you get a, the camera gets triggered and it's facing into a rising October sun. You might even, you might see a shadow, but it may be so washed out from that sun coming up because it's faint face right into the sun that you're going to have problems. So if it's a, make sure it's mounted at the right height. We already covered that ditch stick. Just, just, trust me on this you'll be you'll get more pictures of deer if you do what i say just trust me ditch the stick make sure you're cleaning out that area in front of the camera as much as possible is it always possible no but do as much as you can and then b avoid the the setting and rising sun as much as just from a a clarity of picture standpoint if you do those three things the quality of your photos will go up in just instantly Beautiful. So I'm I'm 26 days into my trail cam using career. So I'm as green as it can get. And so I I, I put this area, like I said, in a bedding area. I'm getting a ton of does, a lot of doe activity, mm-hmm. some coyotes. I've got a random picture that I'm not real sure what the hell it is, to be honest with you. Um, Sasquatch. Sasquatch. So at what point, and this is on public property. So at what point do I move that trail camera and say, okay, I know what's here. I I can come back. I mean, it's a, it's a really good bedding area, you know, kind of off of a bedding area in between a food source. At what point should I move that camera? Because I know I've got a ton of does that are in this area. Eventually the bucks are going to be there. Like you said, I can fill a tag. I could probably fill a tag opening day if I was fortunate enough. So when do I move on to another area or do I just leave that one trail camera there until I go in and start hunting a rut, if that's where I'm going to. A lot of it depends on, in my opinion, a lot of it depends on how you're planning on hunting that area. If you're, if you're planning a, because this is public ground and B um, because you're, you're near that area that shouldn't change much where they feed changes a lot where they bed. Once they find a bedding area, they like, they may only use it every second or third or fifth day, but they're always back, right? So as long as you're not in it, because I, I would want to avoid, I, I avoid putting cameras within about 50 yards whenever possible of a bedding area. And I always try to, if I'm going to be that close, I try to be on the downwind side just to avoid any I don't want me having to service that camera to cause me an issue with what it is I'm trying to monitor. Um, Josh Honeycutt, very popular writer, does some of our blogs for us. I had kind of already done this, but he explained it way better than I ever could. Talked about like the levels of a property. So whether it's cameras or whether it's tree stands, you should have an approach to the property where you can get it, you know, you should, you should have those locations that are kind of the outer layer of the onion, right? You can, you can get to those locations and you are either not worried about bumping deer because the deer aren't in a proximity that concerns you, 
or it's in such like a, a habitual area that you bumping them out of there isn't going to keep them from from using it and then what's your next layer and what's your next layer and i basically have three layers as i look at a property i've got three layers of either trail camera or stand locations that are you know the that outer layer is like my go to hell money that's my go to hell like Wind might be wrong, might be a terrible location, but if I've got two hours on a Wednesday night and I just have to go sit in a stand, I know I can go to that stand and I'm not worried about it. And if I luck into a deer, cool. Same with trail cameras, you know, catch some deer coming and going, but if I have to go in and service it, not a big deal. I would say this camera probably falls into what I would call that second tier where I can't go in anytime that I want. I have to be mindful of what I'm doing, but I'm not so close. I'm not right on top of whatever I'm watching that it is like I'm only going in during literally while it's raining or immediately before. And it there is one direction of wind that I can do this safely or, you know, what that I'm, I may hunt that stand, the stand I killed out of a couple that two, that buck two years ago. That stand on average might get set in twice a year because it's a, it's a weird wind. It's a bad location. You got to go literally right through the middle of the property. That's that tier three location. You can't hunt it on a south wind. You can't hunt it on a north wind. You can't hunt it on a west wind. East, south, southeast, by the time it's south, southeast, it's a no-go. So that's kind of those three levels. To me, I would say leave that camera. If, if it's, as long as it's not on top of that bedding area, it's going to let you know when deer are using it regularly enough that you can make a plan when you see that they're using it or you see a buck show up or you see a buck start to cruise the area. You're going to have, you know, a few days probably to capitalize on that, but you're not so far away from the action, especially being on public land. Like you, you just, you need a little bit better than that tier, um, that first tier of information, you need, you need it to be a little bit better. Um, you know, it's not, it doesn't sound like it's food source reliant. It sounds like it's, it's just off a core area. I'd leave it. Okay. I'd leave it as much as possible. I would, I would try to get that camera because you're you're September 15th for Ohio or is it October? I can't, Uh, it's the last Saturday in September is our first last Saturday in September 24th. So I would try to, and you shouldn't have any problem with that micro LTE. I would try to sneak in there like Labor Day weekend and get fresh batteries in it to get you through the bulk of the season. Even if they're at like 50%, don't care. I don't care. I'm always my last stop of the year is that Labor Day weekend. I'm not moving stands and stuff at that point, but I am. I'm checking firmware on the cameras to make sure that I'm up to date on all my cameras. I'm replacing batteries in case I need to, because September 1st ish, I'm done. I'm giving it 30 days. I'm letting it lay. So what I don't want on September third on September first is a trail camera, especially in one of those tier two or two, tier three locations, to be at thirty percent battery life, and then I get to September twenty seventh and the battery's dead. My season's opening in four days. Yes, it's super early, but if something changes, I want to know and not worry about it. So, generally speaking, um, 
you, the settings I'm running on, the signal strength that I have, a fresh set of batteries, even out of a micro. Um, I run a lot of our Lit 10 batteries. If you haven't made that investment yet, I'd recommend switching over to that lithium battery pack just because of how much longer life you get out of it pretty much pays for itself in two sets of batteries. Um, and I've, I've gotten as much as six months out of one of our lit 10 batteries. So if I change it in September, first of September, I'm all the way through Indiana season. I'm close to Turkey season before I have to do anything with that camera. Do you change the batteries in season? If I need to. Yeah. But I, I do it. If a camera goes dead in season, I will very rarely, unless it's one of those like tier one locations, I'll very rarely make a special trip. You just take them. I'll wait until I'm going to hunt close to it and I'll take, I'll throw an extra set of batteries or a new battery pack SD card into my bag. And then when I'm coming or going from a stand that's close to it, I'll hit it real quick then and then move on. So let me, let me ask you just, just to stick with my little scenario that, that I have here. So I'm about, I'd say 85 to no more than 100 yards on the downwind side of this main bedding area. So it's on an oxbow, mm-hmm. and this oxbow is pretty substantial um, river bottom area. So I am I am well outside of what I would call the core bedding area, and I stumbled mm-hmm. across this fall turkey hunting two years ago, and there I kicked out 30 deer and there are deer beds everywhere. And, and so I, I, I want to, I know it's good. So I'm far enough away from that. I feel confident that I'm not literally in their bedroom. Mm-hmm. I know on the kind of the down, you know, you know, over my shoulder, if you will, in, in the tree stand, there's, there's a ton of ag fields. There's some good pasture. There's some good grass. Um, there's just a lot of those core areas. So a lot of really well-worn trails in this area too, being a river bottom. I mean, it, they're really, really defined and you can see them. Mm-hmm. So in this, like in the actual frame of the trail cam picture i have all of these deer i see and they're in the same area kind of right off this trail with that far distance of the camera's ability and then there's like this perfect tree in the middle that's maybe 30 feet from the trail camera and Mm -hmm. so i'm thinking i could definitely set a stand up there with the way that the wind is going in the direction Mm -hmm. i mean would you hunt an area on a trail camera right like that like that close are you going to be kind of in that transition, you know, so I know the deer are at point A, my camera's at point B, they're going to point C. Are you going to hunt point A or C and just stay away from the camera? Doesn't matter. I've I've got both scenarios. Yeah. You know, there are, um, I'm trying to think, the, there is a property that I can, or a stand location that I can think of that is six yards from a camera location. And then I've got stand locations that are, I mean, it's an 80 acre piece, so it's not even a big piece, but there's a stand location that the closest camera is all of 150 yards. Um, I'm, I'm, I take a slightly different approach to trail cameras in general, because again, my, my approach to scouting is similar to hunting. I'm not, I'm not trying to get trail camera pictures of an individual deer and being especially what you're talking about saying it's a, it's public ground B it's a big bedding area. You're not worried about, am I getting pictures of Bucky the buck, right? You're worried about getting a maximum amount of Intel, figuring out how and when these deer are using this. And I think everybody would have a better hunting experience and be happier with the intelligence they get from their trail cameras. If they took that approach to where I'm not trying to get, 
Because as cool as it is to have 400 photos of a buck, if he's not on your wall to go along with it, it doesn't matter. And if all you're doing is getting pictures of that deer, you're you to use the, the you're not you can't see the forest for the trees. Quite literally, you can't see the forest for the trees because you're just you're chasing this deer around with the camera, but you're not. Yeah, because so. I'm I mean, I, I the tree that's in the video or it's in in the frame. I could set a, a tree saddle in that thing. I'm going to be, the wind's going to be in my face going out towards the river. And I've seen deer, 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 deer in all of these camera photos. So I know that it's, just, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just a matter of time. I like know? to set them so where I can like hopefully see the arrow coming in and just doing work. And then the deer do, run. Do the, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So I guess, and, and I, I almost feel like at that point, like it's, it's, I'm kind of too close to the action. If that makes sense. Uh, if I'm setting in that tree, that's in the frame of the pictures. I mean, I am right there. So as, I, I mean, your camera is already there as long as, as long as you have an entry and exit point that isn't burning that location where you're expecting the action to come from man, just hunt that. So that, I mean, you're a, you're not going to find a better spot to set up on and because it's again going back to because it's public and you control so little in terms of how you're able to go about hunting that there's just there's so many more factors that come in when you're talking about public land i'm i'm going to in some respects i'm going to take more chances on public that i might not take on private because i can't know that someone else isn't taking that chance for me. Yeah. So if you can get in and you can get out and you've got action and you're confident that you can get into that tree where the trail camera is without ruining where you're expecting the action to come from, like, I mean, public or private, that's, that's the sweet spot we're all looking for. So yeah, go, go get in that tree and hunt that out. That's what I'd do. Yeah. Good deal. That works for me. I'm going to do it. Opening day. You said a curse word uh, a little bit ago in in the term firmware, and I hate that mm-hmm. because it's that one thing that you know pops up and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do uh, mm-hmm. with this firmware thing. Can you touch base on that? Because when you open up that camera, and I'm this isn't, I will say there was a different brand that I had at one point that it never worked because I don't know if it was the firmware or whatever. But that thing got thrown away. Like, and I can't believe I threw away a hundred dollar camera. But it was, I got four pictures over six months, and it was just complete garbage. But um, what do people need to know about firmware updates? How to do those? Is that very simple? Or so the first thing is, a way more stuff has firmware than you think. You. There's firmware in on non-cell cameras. And if you go, if you're running just non-cell cameras, if you go to your manufacturer's website and check, chances are there's a firmware model listed there and probably an update from when you bought it. It's not just cell cams. That's A. Um, B is think about your think about your your phone. How often does the hard the firmware on your phone? And we all just set it to auto do it so you don't have to mess with it and it does it. And you wake up the next morning and you have to man, you can't use your thumb ID. You have to manually enter it because the camera, re- the phone restarted because it updated the firmware. It just, it needs to happen. Big misconceptions. Being one version of firmware out of date isn't going to brick your camera. It's not going to make your camera not work. 
you have to be several. And when I say several, more likely four, five, six, maybe even more than that. So you're talking months of firmware out of date. So again, if we go back to that, you know, okay, say me, I'm running trail cameras year round. Well, when are you updating your firmware? Well, I run those cameras and I keep them out. They're in the fall locations and I run those cameras through shed season because the biggest mistake you can make looking for sheds is being out there pushing deer around when sheds are not yet on the ground. So once they start dropping, once I start seeing cast bucks on my cameras, I go start looking for sheds and that's when I pull my cameras and I bring those cameras in and we, we actually, we just had a blog uh, come up not that long ago that we did specifically about this, that kind of maintenance checklist. I bring everything in, all the batteries get pulled, all the trays get pulled. I get my little toothbrush. I clean them all up, clean up all the battery contacts, clean out the battery trays, pull all my cards. If there's any images I want off those cards, I do long formats on all those cards. And while I'm formatting those cards, I'm checking the firmware for those cameras because I've got, I have to put the card into my cam, in my computer to format it. So while it's in there being formatted, if I have to drop new firmware on for that micro LTE, I'm going to do it then. It is literally go to the website, check what the latest firmware is, go into your app, see what the firmware version you're running is. If they don't match, there's a big button that says download this firmware. You download it, you open the zip. You drag those four, seven files over onto the SD card. You drop them, you plug it into your camera and the camera knows what to do. It's not hard. So I'll do that March. You know, by the time, by the time I've shed hunted, by the time I've pulled the cameras, by the time I took a day to go through and do all that, then I have all my cameras sitting in the garage, ready to go back out and they go back out for turkey season. It's firmware. Start doing my... How often are you guys releasing firmware updates? It, var- it really varies. Um, you know, for some of our older cameras, we've got firmware right now that's like six months old. You know, for a newer camera, um, you know, as a camera first comes out, we may update that firmware twice a month for a couple months. Yeah. But again, it's not something where that firmware comes out and it has to be done or your camera stops working. Gotcha. It just, it's not that way. So if you, if it's camera, if it's existing cameras, if it's cameras that you have, that have worked in the past again for those guys that are just getting ready to take them back from the garage and go put them in the woods if you're doing that without first checking your firmware if it's a cellular camera you're setting yourself up for disaster because that camera may come on it may report to the app and it's gonna be out there for a couple days it's gonna be like yeah okay well this firmware is actually from june of 2020 and it's gonna stop working and all you had to do like you could have done it before you went out so for, for those folks, before you go back out to the woods, fire it up. Well, before you even fire it up, go check the firmware, update it if it needs it. Make sure you're formatting the cards, put new batteries in it. I don't care what they were when they were, when you put them, oh, they were new when they went in there six months ago. Great. That means they've set for six months. They've leaked. There's all kinds of issues. Just pull the card, pull the batteries, double check the firmware before you put them out. And then if you're somebody that leaves them out all year, just figure out what my my schedule doesn't need to be your schedule but works what works good for me is pull them while i'm shed hunting 
get them around, get them back out in March going into turkey season. I'll run them all summer. And then part of what I'm doing right now is that last check before fall. And when I go in and I do that last battery service in September, I'm going to check it one more time. Is there a firmware? Because I'm going in to change batteries, turn it off, put in a new set of batteries and put in a new SD card that has the latest firmware because that's going to get me through the season. You're do- it's, Even it's, if we have a firmware update, it's not going to stop working because there was one update. Yeah. You're autopilot from that point on. So that makes that yeah. makes that makes sense. So let's talk about spy points specifically. So we've got the flex, the link micro, the the dark, the link S dark. Those are all that's your 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 trail or your your cellular cam mm-hmm. camera line. Correct. Is there anything else that I'm missing? The um, micro S. So you the mentioned the link S. micro, yep. but there's a link micro S. Yeah. OK, so flagship new flex. Give us a little rundown about that model specifically. So I'm in marketing. So I like my job to be easy yeah. and the flex makes my, like we, there's been so much time and effort that's gone into developing this camera because, you know, the, for people that are going to use cellular show cameras, they've been around for a few years and those early adopters are always going to be more patient because they're early adopters. So they're new on all the new technology. Cell cameras are not new technology anymore and more and more people are using them. And a lot of people are using them that just not necessarily as technically inclined as some of the early adopters, right? So we wanted to build a cellular trail camera that someone who is cellular trail camera averse could use and not feel intimidated. So we kicked things off talking about carrier models, right? The the SpyPoint Flex has multiple, it's a dual SIM configuration. So you don't have to pick a carrier model. Both SIMs are installed. Both SIMs are coming loaded into the camera, activated, ready to go. We don't send you a box until you choose the SIM card that you want. And then no, just it's all of it's happening automatically. All you have to do is turn that on and the flex is going to go to the first SIM card. And if it finds a good network that it's happy with, great. It's going to do that. And if there's, if it doesn't connect to a network on the first SIM, it's going to roll over to the other SIM and it's going to check on that one. So if there is a usable cellular signal in your area, the flex is going to find it. And over time, it's monitoring that network performance as well. So that, that, dual, that um, dual SIM, that multi-carrier auto connectivity, the auto is the important part. If for some reason a tower goes down and the network that it connected to initially is no longer viable and doesn't consider it a good option, it's going to go check that other SIM card to make sure that it can't find a better network. You don't have to go put a different SIM in. You don't have to call customer service to activate a different SIM. They're both in there. They're doing it automatically. Um, you know, and that's working. Obviously, we also, um, we redesigned the antenna. It's a completely new antenna design. It's performing. You know, we've, we've had some of our, our influencers and some of our pro staff have been running the flex now uh, close to two months. And we've got flexes in some areas that historically have been um, just really terrible areas uh, that, that cameras haven't worked. Um, Roger Raglan's a perfect example. Everybody knows Roger, right? Roger's in Oklahoma. Roger has terrible cell service. He's been on our podcast. You can watch his internet's terrible. His cell service is terrible. He called Tanner. He's on our marketing team as well. He goes, dude, I just fired up these flexes and they fired up and they started taking pictures and they came into my app and I don't hunt anywhere that has worse cell signal than my office. So if it works here, we're golden because 
I can't do that with another camera. So between the dual SIM and the new antenna, the connectivity with the flex is killer. Um, you know, trigger speed is awesome. Three up to three tenths of a second, uh, speed. It's, it's, a it's a responsive trigger. So it's, it's going to optimize picture quality and trigger speed. It's a hundred foot flash and detection range, which is a significant, you know, you got a lot of cameras that are way less than that. Um, it's there's there's a lot going on there uh video transmission now also with the flex which is super fun being able to get those those videos right in there 33 megapixel photos 1080p video with sound it just it's the thing's a powerhouse um absolutely love and running it it's super easy to set up it's super easy to i mean it just it it it's not autonomous but it's just about as close as you can get um and we just, we talked about that dirty word of firmware, right? When you fire up a flex, the firmware that went on the camera when the camera was built is already out of date. So if you go buy a flex, you, you, we just talked about it. You were going to buy one and we were out of stock because we sold out so fast on that initial run. If you go buy a flex right now, that flex is going to arrive to you. And when you power it on, it's going to report into the app and you're going to see a little red exclamation mark on your status bar. And you're going to go, oh no, what's this mean? So you're going to go push that button. You're going to go to your status and down under your firmware, it's going to say update available. You push that button and it's going to say, oh, okay, well, uh, there's new firmware available. And as long as your battery and your signal is a certain threshold, we'll go ahead and do that. You want to update your firmware? Yes, I do. Click. And then you'll be able to watch the LEDs on your flex that it's getting the new firmware. It's installing the new firmware and doing it all right before your eyes. Now that's great when you first turn it on and you're activating it, you're in your house and you're making sure that it's working, but it's going to do the same thing once it's in the woods. When an update is available, you'll get a notification in the app that says there's new firmware available. Your battery's good. Your signal's good. If you want to do this, we'll update it. So there's no more with the flex. You're not even having to put it onto the SD card and manually take that. No, it's all being done in the app. I just I think I'm going to order three right now. <laughs> just, <laughs> that thing's pretty slick. Yeah, I so I Link Micro LTE. That was my first camera. Very mm-hmm. happy with the performance so far. It was really easy to use. Can I add? Like I can run the flex through the same app, right? There's nothing, the spy yeah. point app that yep. I use on if my you, phone. Yeah, so once, you, once you've fully committed to the, the spy point experience and you've decided that you just can't live without all these, all the spy point cameras, like you'll, you'll have your camera list and you'll have the different icons for the different camera types oh, and you'll have all those right in there. And yeah. um, like I said, it doesn't matter what, you know, if it's some of the legacy cameras that still have a carrier model, it doesn't matter if they're Verizon, doesn't matter if they're nationwide, doesn't matter doesn't matter what type of camera it is. It's all right in the same app. Yeah, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty, all your settings, all your photos, it's all right there. So what's the link S dark? What is that? Because from the link micro, that's a pretty substantial jump from 119 to price wise. Yeah. Price wise two nine two ninety nine. I'm looking on the computer. That thing looks pretty impressive. Yeah. So link S link S dark is a couple years old now, but um, there are still some units available. So that, 
obviously um, S indicates that it's got, you can, you can see the solar panel on there. So it's got the integrated solar panel and the onboard battery, that solar panel. So you can run that without putting double A's in it at all. You can just run it off the internal battery. It also has our dark, our hybrid illumination technology flash system to it. So that's a, you can change that. You can, if you want to put it on boost, then you can turn it all the way up. So that's a, it's a traditional low glow flash, or if you've got it on, um, the dark setting, then that's a, it's a black IR. There's no visible, you know, not even that faint red. There's no illumination to that. Um, that's got the, it's the fast, still the fastest trigger speed available in a, tr a trail camera at seven one hundredths of a second. So oh, wow. super, super, super fast. Um, and you, it's a slightly different interface. You've got kind of like the video toggle in there and that kind of stuff, but just some different specs and different technology in there. The micro S2, we touched on it. Um, that's kind of the micro family so that it runs on, it'll come with a lit 10 battery pack, which is, you'll need that for the micro S, but you can also run the lit 10s in the micro LTEs. But that onboard solar panel is charging that lit 10 battery pack. Um, the longest I've had one of those out was 20 months. Oh, wow. I'm going on 20 months with one of those without having to change the battery. I've swapped the card to update the firmware, but I haven't had to do anything with the battery. Now it's in a full sun air. It, you know, it's, it's the right setup for it, but um, you know, I, I've still, I've got back in the woods cause it's a sol it's a passive solar panel. It's not like a, a cattle fence charger where you need 12 hours of, of battery or of 12, 12 hours of sun to keep that battery charged. It's a passive panel. So even in the woods, um, you know, you might not be able to keep it at a hundred percent forever, but you're going to get months and months out of that combination of the, the panel and the battery. And then you guys have the force and those are just, are those old school, no cell. We just take pictures. Right. Those are the force series. And then we've also got the solar dart. Those are our non-cellular show cameras. So the force 20 is a 20 megapixel, 720 uh, P no audio with the video, um, just a just a, a trail a standard trail camera and then we've got our force pro which is a 30 megapixel uh, and that's 1080p with or for, actually up to 4k video with sound um so a, just a you want power you want serious like the quality of the photo and video the that force pro is is killer and then the solar dark is essentially the link s dark but without being solar so you've got the solar panel you've got the dark illumination uh but it's a you know, that's something for like a, you got a bedding area that you don't, you don't necessarily need to get the information, right? You just, you want to monitor it. You just want to be able to let it sit for months and not worry about it there. That's your answer. Gotcha. You so can I, can I throw the, can I throw the cell link on a force pro and turn it into, yep. okay. So I can have, yep, absolutely. Cause I've seen video of the force pro. That thing's slick. I mean, that's a, a really mm -hmm. good picture. That's pretty neat. Throw that. I think it was what yep. sixty bucks maybe for the for the cell link. Not too bad. So. Uh, you closer to forty now. Was it 40? forty okay. and fifty bucks? Good. Yep. So good deal. Any whether it's ours, our non cell cams, or frankly most of the non cell cams on the market. You know, if you've got some trail cameras laying around that you, you want to move over, start to move over to cellular, but your traditional cameras are working fine throw a cell link on them. You can go to our website, you can go to our YouTube page, see how to install those. And, uh, and it'll work out quick and easy. And then it just shows up in your show. The cell link shows up just like it would, and it can be connected to pretty much anything. Good cool. Deal. Andrew, do you have anything else? Yeah. So I'm just, um, 
for the listeners, somebody's going to jump in. If this is your first time, they're going to order your flex, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. Or when any of your, the cameras, the cell cams. Two more things to consider. Number one, I do this to myself every time. And, Paul, you figured this out. You have to have a my uh, an SD card, right? The, yeah, what, the class 10? Always a class 10. Yeah, always a class 10. Um, we've got 32 gig cards, micro SD cards, which will work. If you need bigger than that, you can. All of our cameras have what we call continuous mode. So um, you, if you fill that 32 gigs up, it just starts writing over the oldest photos. Gotcha. So, so yeah. if you've seen them, yeah, and 32 gig card is going to hold 20,000 photos or something like that. So um, not easy to fill it up, but you definitely do need that micro SD card as well for the flex. And you do have the, the plans, the transmission plans. Yeah. That's the other part. So you yeah, got to have the card and then you're going to pick a plan, right? And that's how many pictures you guys will, or the, you can get throughout a month, year, whatever. Yep. So we, we offer a free plan, which people don't really believe me when I say that you can buy a cellular trail camera from spy point and never spend a dime in photo transmission plans. You're not going to get every photo into the app, but you're going to get a hundred free photos every month, every month. You're going to get a hundred photos. Now there are some camera locations that I have that that's going to get me every, every photo the camera takes anyway, because it's not a high traffic area. You know, maybe I'm not using multi-shot, whatever the case may be. You're always going to get 100 photos from SpyPoint. There, there's nobody else doing that. Everyone else, you buy a cellular trail camera, and the next purchase you have to make is a photo transmission plan because you have to have it. We then have three paid tiers, 250, 1,000, or unlimited. And we, we try to keep it simple. It's that's, just a that's the number account. of pictures. That's the number of the pictures they can get, not exactly. what it costs. <laughs> exactly. So 250 photos. And you can do uh, a thousand photos or unlimited. And all of those are available on a month by month or an annual basis. Month by month is obviously the most flexibility. Annual, you're going to get the most savings. You can spend $10 a month and have every photo that camera takes for an entire year. So yeah, it's 120 bucks, but you're done. It's over. You don't have to worry about anything. If that camera's out all year round, your base, instead of paying $15 a month, 150, you're getting three months free. This is basically how that works out at, at 10 bucks a month. So, you know, un, unlimited is easy, especially if you're somebody that leaves the cameras out year round. If you don't, you can do the month to month thing. And if you tag out, then great. But if you're somebody that even if you tag out, you still want to keep an eye either on what's coming for next year. Um, you know, I've gotten heavy into trapping here in the last few years. So I'm watching for predators late and that kind of stuff. So um, depending on how you're using them. Uh, And then there is one other thing to consider, and that's our Insiders Club membership. So um, there's a lot of benefits. I won't get into all of them. Uh, One of the the quickest and most obvious ways is you become an insider. It's $99. It's account-wide. It's all year. Every camera that you have is automatically going to be taken up to that 250 photo level instead of the free 100. So say you got three cameras, but you don't really want to pay on photo transmission plan for all of them. You're going to automatically more than double your photo allotment every month going from 100 to 250 just by becoming an insider. But then you're also going to get 20% off accessories. You're going to get 20% off of um, 
photo transmission plans. You're going to get 20% off your uh, video packages and your full HD photo downloads. We do giveaways every month. Like there's just, there's, you can go to spypoint.com slash insiders and you can see all the benefits that are there. I'm not going to go into all of them, but those are, when you, when you kind of sit down to look at it, um, those are the things to consider and that insiders club benefit. There's, there's a lot to that. Uh, and probably some some more benefit coming for insiders later on this year as well that I can't give away too much detail about. But we're we're always working to make make that something that's of value for our users. Trent, this looks great. And uh, Paul and I have been sitting here on, on the website. So to whoever the marketing guys, this is a really nice website and it's easy to navigate. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty user friendly. I'll, I'll pass it along. OK, yeah. Uh, let's, Trent, let's, let's run good job on that website. Good job. <laughs> So I have, I have no, kind of like just to, to wrap this up, what's the most trail cameras you've ever heard of one person running at one time? Do you have someone that's over cell like, cams or yes, cameras in general cell cams? I, I know of somebody that was running in excess of 60. Oh, that's a lot. That's that, that phone has, has three states. Wow. That phone's three probably states, going off 60. nonstop. Yeah. So yeah, good deal. Well, Trent, how can people find spy point? internet social media how can they find you podcast what all you guys into i mean obviously you can just go to the to your search engine of choice and plug spy point in there and you'll probably land spypoint.com uh is is the home page obviously if you want to learn more about the flex that's just spypoint.com slash flex insiders club is spypoint.com slash insiders and then of course all of our content is on project spypoint spypoint.com slash project but again you can you can find it about anywhere and of course social media we're on facebook we're on instagram uh, we're on twitter we're on linkedin we're on youtube just go search spypoint you'll see the official channel come up um you know we we keep those feeds pretty active between great user generated content you know that's being a marketing guy for a trail camera company, like I've worked for other types of companies. This is as easy as it gets because our entire product line exists to create content. So <laughs> people just awesome, send you pictures. Awesome all day trail long. camera. <laughs> exact. I mean, if I just wanted to put it on cruise control, we could just schedule up three trail camera photos a day for the next two and a half years and not have to do anything else on social <laughs> media. Because if there's one thing that is true, hunters like looking at trail camera photos from other hunters and we've got them in spades. So yes, yes we um, do. You can see those, you can see, you know, we're publishing all that content. You can see our building whitetails habitat series. You can, God, if you didn't get enough of listening to me ramble on in this podcast, you can come check out our podcast and uh, listen to me ramble with some other folks as well. So we make it pretty easy to find us. Trent, thank you so much for your time. Good luck. Yep. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Same to you. Thanks.